It's Living the Bream with host of Fox News at Night, Shannon Bream. Very excited to have a special guest on Live in the Bream today who is somebody I have long admired, read many, many of his books, and it's such an honor to have a chat with him. We want to welcome Max Lucado. He is pastor of Oak Hills Church, and you may know him as well from his numerous bestsellers. Uh, and we want to have him here today to talk about Unshakable Hope, which is the newest one. Max, welcome. Oh, you're very kind to have me on the broadcast. Thank you so much. Well, tell us what motivated this book. I mean, you think about it, and everywhere you look around in this world right now, and and as we are recording this, uh, Hurricane Florence is barreling into the Carolinas. Uh, No matter what's going on, it seems like we all could use a little bit more hope in our lives. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, my books all emerge really from uh, conversations I have with people, um, mainly people in our church, uh, where, I, where I serve, and uh, it, sent, it seemed to me, uh, as I remember when this book began, um, that I just seemed to have one conversation after another with people who were uh, just hopeless. They they were so despondent over situations and somehow had come to be convinced that there was either no solution, no provision, no reason to try anymore. And I saw this common theme of uh, well, boy, there's just people are running low on hope. And so that then led to the second thought, and that is, if, could we as a, a church study the whole theme of hope? And could I write a book maybe on hope? And, and so that, that, that's where it came from, is, is trying to help people uh, who, who are in desperate need of some hope to find it. Yeah, and as a pastor, you've obviously decades of um, counseling people, hearing about their worst moments, their toughest moments, being there with them through that. What happens to us as human beings when we lose this idea of the fact that there's some kind of hope? Oh, my, Shannon, it, it is just uh, it's devastating to us. You know, if, if, if you can uh, take hope out of somebody, then you really take their reason to get, a, to get out of bed. As long as I have a sense that there's a possibility of a ray of sunlight breaking through those clouds, if there's even the remote possibility that this storm will pass, then then I can you know I'll uh, I'll get up and I'll function. But if but if the, the the minute you deplete that hope account, that's the minute I become a sitting duck for some uh, really really severe emotional trauma, and. Um, yeah, I don't want to oversimplify the discussion of suicide at all. I'd never want to do that. But we're all aware that the suicide rate has increased 26% since 1999. And and somewhere in there is a uh, is an indicator that people are running low on hope. And so I th- I think we're at a crisis, you know, we 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 as a society uh, we've uh, we've not learned. We're not teaching one another where to turn for hope that truly sustains us through the challenges, like the one facing the folks on the eastern seaboard today. The the hurricane, you know, bears down on people. Uh, where do we turn for hope in in difficult situations? Yeah, I know a lot of people will look at you, the success you've had over the years, and um, your years as leading others. Uh, and think, well, you've got it together, you're successful. Mm. Um, are there moments that mm. you've struggled mm. with this idea and, and kind of been told the lie that there's there's nothing hopeful moving forward in a tough mm. situation for you? I certainly, uh, yeah, yeah, I have. Uh, you know, we've been through challenges, uh, and, and I've been through some health challenges 
through the years that, that left me pretty discouraged and despondent. About uh, a decade or so ago, I had a it's about an 18 month protracted struggle with uh, my heart, and and I just would um, it, it it never could get in a regular rhythm. I mean, it was it was an irregular heartbeat that lasted for an extended period of time, and it left me exhausted. And and you know we're so intertwined our soul with our body that that when my my body was worn out and I wasn't sleeping well. I got discouraged, and if I wasn't depressed, I bordered on depression. And uh, so I, I, I know, you know, and my wife has battled depression uh, through the years, and and um, and uh, really has a uh, really a deep understanding and, and and empathy for people who battle with depression. And so she and I know that uh, sometimes we face those situations in which we have to really dig deep uh, to find some hope. And the, the whole idea of this book was to try to equip people with uh, dealing with hope by using the promises of God from the Bible. There's over 7,000 promises in the Bible, and 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 that in, that's an indicator that we're we are to take these promises and put them to use in our lives. And and so this book is uh, an example of of uh, and a call to people to try building your life on promises from God. And see if that doesn't buttress you through these uh, stormy times that we live in. And for people who maybe are not um, people of a practicing faith or deep faith, yeah. how would they even, if they have questions about whether there is a, even a God, um, how would yeah. they begin yeah. to investigate great, these promises? What a great question. What a great question. You know, because the Bible can be a daunting book, and somebody goes, you know, where do you even begin to look? And then somebody might say, I don't even believe in God. Well, uh, to that second person, I, the, whom I, I talk to, you know, folks who don't believe in God, I say, just give it a go. I mean, what do you got to lose? And I'll, I'll give them a list of some promises. One of my favorites is, is out of the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 30 and verse 6. And, and the scripture there says, weeping may last for the night, but joy comes with the morning. And so with a person who's who's passing through a difficult time, if they and, and if they don't believe in God, I say just try this. Try pondering that promise for just a little bit. In other words, think on it and then proclaim that promise. Say it out loud. Weeping may come, but joy comes with the morning. Weeping may come, but joy comes. We we kinda call that meditation and and as opposed to just thinking about it, you declare it and begin to stand on it. And and then you pray it. You pray it. You you say, uh, Lord, I don't know if you're up there. I don't know if you're listening to me. But your Bible says that weeping's going to come, but joy's going to come. And so I'd like to ask you to bring joy into my life. What we're doing by doing that, uh, Shannon, is we're taking some practical steps away from the ledge. We're talking ourselves off the ledge, and we're taking some practical steps toward uh, toward hope, toward faith. And um, I, I don't have any trouble if people don't believe in God telling them, well, just give God a chance or give it a chance because plan B really sucks. You don't want to you don't want to uh, go down that road of despair too long. Yeah, you mentioned the skyrocketing suicide numbers in just the last couple of decades, 20, 30 years. And it's shocking to hear them. And I feel like I'm constantly reporting on stories of younger and younger people. I mean, kids that are. You know, even 9, 10, 11 years old taking mm. their lives because they feel bullied or um, they feel rejected or despondent. And it just breaks my heart that anyone would feel that way. You mentioned going through those struggles. I think all of us at some moments have kind of hit that rock bottom of feeling like 
there's nowhere to go. Um, but the fact that it's happening among our children is especially distressing. I mean, we live in a society where we have um, every modern amenity that we could have and technology at our fingertips. Um, and the U.S., although we certainly have people living in poverty here, um, we have a wealth of riches when it comes to you know food ab- availability for most folks and shelter and those kinds of things. Um, though some folks are in dire situations, most Americans aren't. Uh, why are we so despondent? And why has this number increased so significantly? I think that's a really important question. That that very well may be the most important question we could be asking, Shannon. And I don't hear us really asking it. I mean, uh, it, this is an epidemic. This epidemic level, and um, people often, talk, you know, point to the to the meth addiction as a cause of this. And I'd say, yeah, but but really, the addiction is a it, that's a consequence of something even deeper. It's even deeper. Something in in our society is not working. And and I think it has to do with the increasing amount of secularism in society. And by secularism, I mean a despiritualization of our conversations, uh, not wanting to have any type of spiritual conversations at school, uh, making it very, uh, you know, what's a good word, uh, inappropriate to have spiritual conversations in, in uh, the workplace. Uh, it, it, it may be maybe an overreaction to uh, people wanting to have their space, you know, not wanting to talk about anything religious or spiritual. And I get that. That's certainly that's certainly. But 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 when we have a, a generation of people who have been raised in 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 schools that uh, have not been allowed to pray and not been allowed to, you know, have honest discussions about the Bible in public settings, and that's being downplayed. Are, my question is, are we paying a price for that? I don't know if you can monitor that, and I don't know if you can document it, but I have to think that secularism has a way of sucking hope out of people. Because spiritualism, on the other hand, says there's more to life than meets the eye. There's there's a there's somebody somewhere who created us. Uh, we, let's talk about who he is. Let's figure out who she is. Let's have good visits about you know why we're on earth. Let's talk about the meaning of life, the purpose of life, and uh, and that's what we need our coaches to be doing. That's what we need our teachers to be doing. Uh, that's what we need even in the workplace to have honest conversations about these these big overarching uh, questions of life. And so I can't help but think, Shannon, that we're just paying a price uh, for 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 um, taking the discussions of God out of the marketplace. Yeah, you know, Pew tracks uh, trends on so many things in America and does it quite a bit with religion. And I was looking at their last round of surveys on this, and about 23% of Americans that they surveyed said that they had uh, no faith or didn't believe in any type of God, that kind of thing. Uh, and you know that some people... Um, absolutely think it's uh, fairy tales and a waste of time and it doesn't have any place in our schools uh, and they're actively working to make sure that that's um, not crossing any kind of legal uh, line or what they would argue is a constitutional line. Um, what do you say to those folks? I mean, that's almost a quarter of our population of people who say, you do your thing, I don't want to hear about it, and it's just not for me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I guess I would say but we can can we not have a conversation it, it, what why do we need to remove these kind of pressing issues from from the classroom is, is it that dangerous for a fourth grader to 
uh, ask a school teacher, ask his or her school teacher, uh, you know, my uncle died and, uh, and I'm sad. What happens when someone dies? And have the fourth grade teacher uh, respond to that question in a way that says, you know, there's a variety of world religions. Here's how Christians see it. Here's how Jews see it. Here's how Muslims see it. Here's how atheists see it. Uh, my fear, though, Shannon, is that we've created a culture that says, well, we just can't talk about it. And so we shut it down. We shut it down. And and if somebody is, is fortunate enough to grow up in a home where those conversations happen, God bless them, and the person is right, and they're saying that's where that should happen. Absolutely. That's the primary source. But the truth of the matter is many of our young people are growing up in broken homes or in homes where uh, people are, uh, the parents are sadly too busy or uninvolved, and the youngsters have no place to go. Um, and they can't afford, you know, their parents are not about to send them to a, a school, a religious school. Uh, ironically, the people who send their kids to religious schools are the ones who are talking about faith at home. So the kids who attend public schools are in environments where teachers increasingly find it to be risky to be discussing these things. And so I think that's a, a just a downside. It's just a downside. And there has to be some type of happy medium that would allow these youngsters to to have a place to go to ask spiritual uh, and meaningful questions. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, that we seem to be increasingly growing up, um, a lot of folks do with the idea that we should be happy all the time and that there are ways to mm. achieve happiness or success that will completely satisfy us, whether it's money or fame or any number mm-hmm. of things that are um, very easy to get caught up in. And I think that a lot of folks um, just trying to live a normal life where we're all going to have, as you mentioned, health challenges or lose someone we love or a job um, or have some other stressor in our life, uh, it seems sometimes we're ill-equipped for that because we do, we've been kind of sold this lie that you can be happy all the time and that you should be. Uh, I know that you've said in the past, you know, you can't treat earth like heaven because it isn't. Don't expect it to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can't, and and you can't uh, hope to solve long-term issues with short-term solutions. And like you say, short-term solutions might be, uh, you know, an, a new possession or a new purchase uh, or a new experience. And um, I really love life, Shannon. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I love, I, I just kind of have fun. I'm a pretty happy guy. Uh, I love playing golf. I love fishing. I love hanging out with friends. Uh, I love a good meal. I love a good glass of wine. I, I love life. Uh, and yet I, I think, I, I think I'm not depending. I don't think I'm depending upon those sources of pleasure, uh, for my deepest satisfaction. Um, I tried that, you know, I tried it as a, as a young person and developed a pretty serious drinking problem, thinking that that's truly the, the only, the happiest time of my life was, you know, the Friday and Saturday nights I was, that I was drinking so much. And, and I found that that turned out to be a very, very empty, empty, uh, you know, source of joy. And I'm very grateful that somebody told me about God, about the God who loves me, who cares for me, who knows me, but most of all, the God who's preparing a place for me after this after this version of life mm-hmm. and so i think that's um you know i'm, I'm always a little cautious because people say well you're supposed to say that locato you're a pastor well i say that i think i'd say that if i was a mechanic i mean I, it's just it's it's finding that deep sense of here's why we're on the earth uh we're made to to know god and love god and someday be with god and i believe that what's another promise that people will see uncovered in your new book 
You know what? I, I think a promise that is very relevant today is found early in the book of Genesis, when, in the creation story, when God says, let us create mankind in our own image. I think embedded in that verse out of Genesis chapter 1, uh, out of that verse is the idea that you and I and every person we see uh, carries some of the image of God within us. And I find that to be so encouraging. You know, I, I, I know I have a long ways to go uh, to be the kind of person that I'd like to be and God would want me to be. But there, there's a it's just an amazing thought to me to think. I, I look in the mirror and I say, I carry the image of God inside me. And Shannon carries the image of God inside her. We all do. Uh, you talk about something that, that'll make you feel like, well, I guess I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of special. I carry a little bit of God inside me. And it helps me see other people uh, differently, too. You know, every person deserves to be mm-hmm. treated with respect and to be listened to and to be considered uh, because they carry a little bit of God inside of them. So that that's a, I love that promise. Uh, I think it would really change a society that would embrace it. it, and it changes the individual too. Yeah, I agree. And when when you can look around at other people, even people that may be difficult for you to deal with uh, in the workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, even in your church, yes. Uh, it's always good to remember that, that you are engaging with someone who you believe is a child of God, if you're a believer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I heard a, a sermon over the summer uh, at a church I was visiting that was great, where the pastor said something like, you'll never lock eyes with somebody who is not infinitely important to God. I mean, every Ooh, single person whose path sentence. that you cross. Yeah, I mean, it was such a good reminder that no matter whether you think someone, um, you actually dislike them or have problems with them or trouble with them, yeah. I mean, we all should yeah. be remembering um, how we're relating sentence. to each other. Yeah, I mean, it, you it know, really, it's it, stuck it, with Nobody me. knows this better than you, right? I mean, the world in which you live and and uh, the kind of the contentious society, it, we seem to be, uh, you know, really hostile toward toward people as a society if we have political disagreements or, or, or disagreements about public policy. Uh, and, and I think understanding that every person, uh, including the people with whom I may have strong disagreements, that person still is a, is a child of God and, and carries some of God within them. Yeah, we could remember that on Twitter. For example, <laughs> that's a good place to remind yourself of that. Um, I know in the book, uh, the new book, you say that you have a wish for your tombstone. What's that about? <laughs> well, this this has to do with uh, there's so many promises in the Bible about victory over death, and um, and death for many people is the ultimate thief of life and thief of joy, uh, because for fear of death, uh, we really never learn learn to live. Uh, and so I, I wanted to be sure and include a chapter that has to do with the temporary tomb in which we will all be placed. Um, and, and to illustrate it, I, I, I talk about how across the highway from my office, from our church, is a is a cemetery. And uh, I have never bought uh, burial plots. I, I still haven't. I'm nearly 64. I guess I need to get around to it. But uh, I told my wife we needed to take care of that. And she said, that's not a happy topic. And I said, okay, I'll take No, 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 no. I, did, I went over to the to the cemetery, and I, I found out how much they cost. They don't give those things away. Uh, and so I said, well, uh, let me think about it. And then I said, in the meantime, 
in the meantime, here's a crazy idea. And I thought I, I've, I've thought about this for quite a while, but I did, I've never talked to a cemetery director to see if I could do it. And 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 I said, what I'd like to do is have a gravestone that has a recorded message from Max on it. Oh. And the granite stone will contain a button and an invitation, and it will say, press for a word from Max. And the guy <laughs> said, you know what, you can do that. He said, I, I know a place that will let you do that. So here's here's what, if I do this, I haven't done it yet, and if I do it, Shannon, I, uh, here's what it will sound like. It'll, it, somebody will press the button, and, and they'll hear my voice say, uh, thanks for coming by. I'm sorry you miss me. I'm not here, but I'm home. I'm finally home. And at some point, my king will call, and, and this grave will be shown for the temporary tomb it is. And you might want to step to the side in case that happens while you're here. Again, I appreciate the visit, and I hope you've made plans for your own departure. All the best, Max. I don't know. <laughs> you're going to start a trend. I love it. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, the promise I'm, from the Bible is, is death has been swallowed up in victory. What a great promise that is. And, and uh, so just learning to build our lives on those promises, I think, is going to give us a lot of hope. Well, I have over the years shared your books with people who are people of faith and not people of faith. And I think um, at a time like we started this conversation off saying everybody could use more hope in their lives. Uh, I hope they'll check out the book and um, just, as you said, give it a chance, read it through. And and um, I believe that everyone can find some hope in it, regardless of where they're starting from. Uh, Max, thank you so much for writing it and for stopping in to talk about it with us today. Oh, you are so kind. And you make this so easy. I think uh, I think you know what you're doing. Well, I thought about doing it for a living, so <laughs> we'll see. Max, thank you so much for joining us on Live in the Brain. Okay, thank you.